Coming up on this episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics, Penn State alum and Penn State Golf Course's general manager, Joe Hughes. We discuss golfing in the state college area, how you can help your game, and also the current state of golf in the United States. Those folks who are competing on a regular, you don't know who's going to win every week in, wake out. Back in the day when we were watching, there was probably a dozen or 10 to 12 that you can count on. Your Greg Normans of the world were doing well, Nick Faldo. Uh, those were the people that you knew were going to be competing. This week, you have no idea. Let's go state. The official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. Here we go, another episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Brian Tripp with you once again. And don't forget, fans, and across the board for all of our podcasts, hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to check out Unrivaled, the official podcast of Penn State football as well. This week we're joined by Joe Hughes, the general manager of the Penn State Golf Courses. Joe, thanks for being here. Brian, thanks for having me. This is fantastic. been with Penn State, and if you go back to your time as a student, a member of the PGM program yep. for almost three decades now, you joined the Penn State <laughs> Golf Courses in 2002. You're yes, a sir. Penn State alum, class of 1999. Why Happy Valley? Why stick around in Happy Valley for so long? Why not? The community is growing. The excitement when it comes to the game, when you have 36 holes of championship golf course to, to manage and to work with, and the students just eat it up. The students love playing there. We have two golf teams, the men's and women's teams, have had success and continue to improve year after year. And and to see the development of the golf courses, to also then work with the students and watch them develop with the professional golf management program uh, that I'm proud to be a part alumni of. And and, and just, just the opportunities that are there to grow the game of golf. Right now we have a strong junior program that mm-hmm. we're developing our own. Um, and Steve Wager, our director of instruction, he won player development of the year. Uh, Bill Strasball war for myself. It's just there's so much opportunity here within the Penn State community. So when folks come back to visit or for those community folks here, you got to think Penn State golf courses if you're trying to go out and have some fun with the family and try something new and just uh, have a great experience overall. Well, I was out there the other week, and I saw golfers, I'd say as young as four or five years old, out there on the course. When did you know that golf might not only become something you're passionate about, but a profession? Oh, passionate about I think when we started going to resorts that had golf courses around them, you would just walk around like, Dad, I'm just going to go out in the woods and find as many golf balls as you could. And it starts there. And then you take those golf balls, you take them back home, and now you're chipping around the backyard, you know, having those internal matches with Ray Floyd and Fred Couples. And let's hit how many shots does it take to hit that tree over there? And then you're hitting shots before you know you're getting better. You're hitting shots over your house. I still have a nice little mark in my vinyl siding that my mom shows me once in a while. You put this here. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a foot below the windows so I didn't break any windows growing up so that that was a lot of fun just just enjoying that opportunity of going out in the backyard chipping around them before you know it you try out for the high school teams and you make it and you're wearing those little cheesy pants all the time walking down the hallways everyone's got their football jerseys and here we are with the the polyester pants and the collared shirts walking down the hallways and uh, but it just it, it, it grew on me and I got good and before you know it, I was self-taught. My dad would be the one to say, hey, I taught you. And, you know, I went to his men's league, and I remember hitting a golf shot. and like, wow, you need to get him lessons. And he still tells me this to this day. So 
the way I got lessons was we had a PJ golf professional get married into our family, a local state college native himself, John Milinarski, married into our family, uh, my mom's sister. And I saw what he did for a living, driving your golf cart to work every day. That's got to be so cool. And then what do you do? Well, we run charity events. We have memberships. Do uh, you get to play golf? Yeah, you get to play golf and, and continue to compete. And as I sit around, I call myself an athlete. My wife says sometimes different golfers are athletes. I'm like, yes, we are. You could see them now with Tiger Woods and all their workout. Um, but yeah, I'm an athlete. And, and so you can continue to compete where a lot of your friends can't do that anymore. They can't throw the pigskin around. They can't tackle their buddies. They can't wrestle on the mats as much as they used to. But the game of golf is something you could play for the rest of your life. Happy to be a part of it. And you can also, like you said, make a career of it for the rest of your life. Now, you're not like Brooks Kepka and going out and benching before you get to play. No. <laughs> no, but it, speaking of Brooks Kepka with the Nike hat, we brought some of his hats in. That he is, It took off. They, they went off the shelf. And Brooks is, just, Brooks is just a great player. And there's, once again, an athlete who just you know wasn't being recognized, and now he's winning major championships left and right. And now he's getting the recognition that he well deserves, and, and he's doing really well for himself. When you were growing up, which players did you want to be? Who did you idolize? I mean, this is mid-'90s here, yeah. and then you're right when you're in college that's right at the start of the tiger woods fame so what oh, players did you kind of want to be growing up fred couples hands down fred couples had that inside out swing or outside in swing so you could fade the ball and just how he carried himself in these interviews and and his houston background and, and watching him grow up and, and no one will ever forget in 92 when he had that ball hang on the masters there on hole number 12 at augusta national and won it and uh that would definitely be one. Of course, being a Pennsylvania native, you can't think of Mr. Arnold Palmer. That's mm -hmm. another uh, person who uh, you idolize and you watch growing up. Like, yep, I want to be like that person, especially when it comes to the interaction with people. The game of golf, it's all about people. You know, the pro is there, yay. You know, but it's it's one of those things where you're coming out to socialize with your friends. And if we can create those opportunities, make sure you have a great opportunity and, and enjoy that experience. That's what we're here for. You've kind of gone through the, the Tiger Woods generation sure. now, and, and you start to see guys like Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas. When they're out there on the course, they're playing with their idol with the resurgence that Tiger had this year to win the Masters. Are you starting to see how has the game kind of shaped because of what his impact was, and now you're seeing guys that are elite-level players and a lot of Americans having a lot of success. Yes, let's just say the term that we use for Tiger was success, the resiliency. Everything mm -hmm. that he's gone through from his own personal life to his health to just push through all that, that's the American dream right there, where you're just constantly working, working hard, and everyone's like, oh, there's no way you're going to do it, and that just pushes you harder. And I think, you know, as you're, you're saying, just watching him grow up, all these players want to emulate him. Now the competition is it's so many young golfers, like you said, Ricky Thomas, Justin Thomas, those folks who are competing on a regular, you don't know who's going to win mm -hmm. every week in, wake out. Back in the day when we were watching, there was probably a dozen or 10 to 12 that you can count on. Your Greg Normans of the world were doing well, Nick Faldo. Uh, those were the people that you knew were going to be competing. This week, you have no idea who's going to be that next person. And, and just hearing an interview this morning on the Golf Channel, just playing side by side by Tiger Woods from some of these young athletes, it's just, it just blows their mind. And, and he definitely was a leader in the industry. And he helps our industry out immensely. Once he won the Masters, the enthusiasm for golf just took off. Everyone, once again, is like, hey, was Tiger playing this week? And you wish he would play a little bit more, but you can understand what he's going through. But, mm -hmm. but uh, it was a big win-win for all of us. How have you seen 
young college students, community members, older people? How have you seen the trends kind of grown, dipped? Like, what have you seen in terms of participation and involvement in the game of golf? You bring up a good point, and and I I talk to our staff about this quite often. And it's of course you had the baby boomers, and everyone Mm -hmm. was waiting for them to retire. Well, they retired, come and gone, and now there's that millennials, and the millennials they they had the Tiger Woods is a little bit on the tail end watching Tiger doing their thing. But when golf was at its peak, was 95 to 2005, in my mm-hmm. personal opinion, then 2008 with everything with the economy and the crash, and of course, 9-11, the quality of, of family and doing things together increased. That those members that were at the club are now doing other things instead of staying at the golf courses all day. So there's that right now we're in that break where there was nothing going on with developing juniors because the game of golf was doing so well. They were just trying to do customer service. Let's enhance the experience. Well, they forgot about the juniors who were sitting there waiting in the wings to to go out to those clubs. Now the PGA of America in the last 10 years has really been investing when it comes to the PGA Junior Golf League. Something that we just picked up about seven, eight years ago where it's kind of the little league for junior golfers from ages 7 to 13 that they have that opportunity to come out, learn from a PGA instructor, and that's then their coach. And now once they're coached for about two, three weeks, then they go out and they compete. And the format is fun. It's a two-person scramble. So you and your partner go out, and if you're familiar, you hit the ball and you choose the best one. If you topped your next shot, that's all right. Your teammate's there to help carry you. Mm -hmm. And so it's a fun format, and so they're they're – introducing the game to the juniors letting them then take what they've learned and then let's let's make it a fun competition and they're getting that taste and now we're developing you have level one experience now they're going to level two junior golf leagues and continuing to compete and go into the prep series that a lot of the hurricane we just had a hurricane junior golf tour here this past weekend so when we were growing up maybe there was one junior tour in your neighborhood that you could participate Mm -hmm. in now there's at least three or four in the state of pennsylvania that you as a junior golfer can compete in and being a part of the PGA, this then benefits, number one, you're going to have lifelong golfers who are going yes. to continue to use these golf courses. But for college programs like Penn State, there's the ability to scout these players and recruit Correct. these players and build them up and also the dreams of them. Penn State just had a great player, Cole Miller, here, yes. who had a terrific collegiate career, who is now chasing his pro dream. Mm-hmm. It's an avenue to go play professionally. That it, it really is. And it, it's just a taste of well, how to compete. Then you're going to the next level. So now junior starting at the age seven. You know, mm-hmm. everyone asks, what's a good age? Well, that's a great age right there. I've got two girls, nine and six, and that age seven would be wonderful right now. Their coordination's there. Then you start introducing competition, not too early, but it's at a point where it's fun mm-hmm. and it's okay. Yep, share some, you know, shed some tears now and then. Then you get into high school, and now the high school program's just meeting with our state college. You know, we have Happy uh, Invitational coming up, which mm-hmm. is State College High. They said they have over 130 golfers coming, so their event's growing. And then taking it to another level from a recruitment standpoint, these juniors are now playing year-round at all these invitationals. The coaches are having a great time. I just had our assistant head coach, TJ Howell, walk in my office yesterday. The Hurricane Junior Tour was awesome this weekend. When can we get this tour coming? Like, okay, we'll continue to look at There's so many junior tours that are going on that the coaches just love to have it in their backyard. Mm-hmm. So that says a lot about what we're doing at the Penn State Golf Courses, the outlet that is creating some great junior golfers coming through the program and then eventually collegiately. And then to have Cole Miller, Kevin Foley's another mm-hmm. one who did the PJ Tour. And I mentioned TJ Howe. He was at Oakmont uh, just no more than two or three years ago, and we were following him around and uh, playing at a tour level. So these 
these folks coming out of uh, collegiate golf are definitely at a high level, and it's up to them where they want to take it after that. Now, do your girls golf? Because it sounded like you're saying the tears story from some personal yeah. experience. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but uh, they are getting there. I've coached the junior team, so I have seen it. And uh, it's okay, but my two girls now, they're into gymnastics and swimming. And they said, do your girls golf? Not yet. They're going to make that decision, and they'll be out the golf courses tomorrow. So we work with local daycares just to bring the kids out and put mm-hmm. clubs in their hands. And they can go tell mom and dad that, wow, you know, we can go to golf. And people say golf was expensive growing up. Well, now knowing the other sports that these kids are involved with, golf is now on the lower end, in my opinion. You could play Penn State golf courses for a buck a hole with mm-hmm. a junior after six. So those are the opportunities that we're creating for kids to come out, put a club in their hand, make it a family atmosphere, and you're not going to be bothering any golfers around you. Those diehards play early morning, but the afternoon is nice and quiet. It's a good time to take the family out. We'll have more with Joe Hughes coming up here on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Don't forget, fans, to hit the subscribe button. Also, you can send your questions, comments. Tell us what you'd like to hear. Tweet at GoPSUSports or at BTripTweets, and we'll include your thoughts coming up on a future edition of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Brian Tripp joined by Joe Hughes, the general manager of the Penn State Golf Courses. Joe, do you still get to get out there and golf? Every time <laughs> I drive by the golf courses, I see another event, whether it's Coaches versus yes. Cancer, the Mount Nittany event. There's so many events that are hosted. Do you ever find time to get out? I do. I do. I try to get out as my staff. If I said, yeah, three or four times a month, they'll laugh at that. But I do try to get out once a week and I still try to compete. There was a time where you get nervous, like, oh, I haven't played in a while. I don't want to go sandbag it and, and you know slap it all over for a pro-am. But I'm now getting confident in myself and my own ability. I mean, mm-hmm. it does take a little bit because if you don't practice, well, if you're not going to practice then you need to find a new way in your swing to make it easier and I have found that that I could be a little bit more consistent without as much practice and that's been knock on wood that's helped me you know even just sign up for another one I have a a competition uh, up in Mansfield here in a couple weeks and I used to lose sleep like oh man I haven't practiced and you're forcing yourself but it's okay uh, the personality is there. We have some fun. You can laugh. And now I say I'm the PG, as you mentioned, the PJ general manager. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the head golf professional who's supposed to hit the ball 300 yards plus. I'm the GM. So that means I have an office job anymore. And uh, it's growing. You know, I love that office job. We, you know, talking a little bit about what we do as a general manager. You're overseeing the food and beverage operation. You're overseeing golf maintenance. Rick Paget, our golf course superintendent, does a fantastic job. Him and his team, especially now that we haven't had the rain that we've had the last two years, mm-hmm. the attention to detail is now going on and we're hearing nothing but positive comments so if you're listening now come on out and visit the penn state blue and white golf courses uh we talk a little bit about the history of the white course that those holes date back to 1916 uh, 1922 to 26 willie park jr who's a two-time mm-hmm. british open champion designed our white course so there's a lot of historical value you'll see a nice little monument at the top of six of our white course talking about his designs because those holes are still there six through 14 were his and, um, you know, it took them four years to design the white course. That's if everyone goes up that direction on six. That's on the it, right course. in the middle of the fairway it is. So, yeah, <laughs> so if you aim at Willie Park's monument, yeah, hopefully you hit it because it's right down the middle of the fairway. <laughs> but uh, And then, of course, our blue course, the historic, you know, championship. That's the one that the men's and women's golf team plays on. Those mm-hmm. are holes, you know, late 60s, 1968 when it comes to our blue course. And, and uh, we've had two designers since then. We've made some improvements as we got ready for the Big Ten championships in 06 and 07. And then we were fortunate enough to host the women's regionals, which was really, really cool and something that we're continuing to try to to get that opportunity to bring back again to see teams like Texas A&M, Duke, Florida come to, to Happy Valley to, to see our golf course.
courses and enjoy the experience, not just the golf course itself, but, you know, Jen James and the entire event staff, they do a fantastic job of welcoming sports and different teams that come to Happy Valley. And that's why they love competing here and having fun. Do you have a favorite hole on each course? I know on white course, I love 14, the par three down the hill by the nice houses on the that's right it. side. That's my favorite hole in white course. 14 on the white course is exactly it. And I was going to say, and then you just flip it. So it's easy to remember is the blue course on 14, the, the par three over the hazard. Mm -hmm. Those are two wonderful golf holes. The downhill par three on the white course has just got those bunkers. There's five or six of them that stare you in the face. And then the small little green that if you go over, you're in trouble. To the right, you're in trouble. And mm -hmm. you go left, you're in the bunker. So it's a really, really cool golf course. And it has that false front. You can't really see the front of the green from the top of the hill. So yes. you never know how far you actually have to hit. That is it. <laughs> so yeah, the, the white course, 14. Then of course, blue course, I mean, 14, it's you know over 185 yards on that golf hole. And, and that's really a good testament when you step over there and you see the water hazard surrounding the front and the entire left-hand side. It's, it's just a great shot, and especially if your match comes down to those two holes. I wish you the best of luck. But the good thing about the courses, too, is it's built for golfers of every skill level. Yes. And you have an opportunity to score sometimes, but you also have an opportunity to lay back. So depending on what That's your it. score level is, even your skill level, the golf course really can, can fit anyone out there. And we listen to those that feedback because mm -hmm. if the fairway, we get some feedback, well, the tees to the fairway, it's too long. Well, talk to your local superintendents at your clubs, and they can bring those fairways closer back to the tee because it is, or I do see golf courses now building tees in the fairway for some of you. And we at the Penn State Golf Courses found some flatter areas, and we've shortened the golf course in some different areas to mm -hmm. make it more fun. Uh, we've widened the fairways because – for those of you who want to play 7,200 yards, like from the black tips, go for it. We have that. But those of you who want to play a 6,000-yard golf course, have some fun, get around. We also have that as well. So yeah, we want to continue to have that opportunity for folks to shoot even par. There's no doubt about that. Something new with the game, too, as we're talking about growing, is called Operation 36 that's new with the game, where we'll have juniors and, and those even adults in our Get Golf Ready program, which is for beginners only, start from the 100-yard marker. Play nine holes. If you can break par, you know, shooting four on average on those nine holes, then move back to the 150 mm -hmm. and try shooting par from the 150. Now go back to 200. If you break par and you just have a graduation rate, it's fun. So you have a goal that you're, you have in mind. You're like, yeah, I can maybe do it from the 50-yard marker, but it, it'll help you with your short game, builds that confidence because who doesn't want to shoot even par when you go out to play? And then you find the tees and the distance that are right for you. Now, there's a balance here, though, too, because you also have varsity teams. You want to host yes. Big Ten championships, regionals. So what do you do from a strategic standpoint to keep the average golfer, the community golfer appeased, but also make it a challenging course and balance that in the needs of the golf course? Yeah. The big thing coach will say is grow the rough, Joe. Grow the rough. That's one way you can have four-inch <laughs> rough like the U.S. Open and, and have fun with that. But then there is that balance. You have Joe Public who wants to go play tomorrow and they don't want the four to six inch rough. So it's that that balance. So the length of the tees is definitely one. And when we're being considered for regionals down the road, that's what they'll look at is your your distance. They'll look at, you know, where do your bunkers come into play? Mm -hmm. um, how wide are your fairways? So we, in my opinion, it's that balancing act. But I think we have a great challenging golf course when it comes to the undulations of the greens, the definition of, you know, where the creeks and the, and the different water hazards come into play 
that, uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it, that the course is there to be had if you want to play well. But if you miss hit it, you're going to be penalized by the rough or the bunkers that surround the fairways and the greens. And just like any course, when you're setting it up, then when you get closer to that championship-type event, you can grow the fescue, you can grow yes. the rough, you can make those other alterations. Green speeds increase. You find those hidden pin placements that you would never put anyone except for these tournaments. That And you see that in the pro-ams with the superintendents. All right, I can't wait to make these pros suffer and, and go through that. And same thing with college. But... It's a home field advantage, so the golf coaches have an opportunity to set up the course they want, and uh, they're not afraid to do that. So, And I'm sure they give you some feedback as well. Greg Nye with the men's team, Denise St. Pierre with the women's team. What's it like to work with them? Oh, fantastic. Both of the relationship that we have, they've now moved closer. They have a beautiful Tom mm-hmm. Bros clubhouse in 2010 that was built, so their offices are right next to the Walker clubhouse where I work out of. So the communication there is on a daily basis, and they'll just come in and just see how things are going, Joe, and, and uh, talk a little bit about what they have coming up for the week hey can we can we touch up the bunkers can we get the green speeds a little bit quicker on the this the practice areas Mm -hmm. so yeah we want the teams to compete at a higher level uh also going back to the coaches they have different um types of grasses on our back practice area Mm -hmm. you know bent grass and some you know rye grass so there's different situations that they could put their team in that are preparing them for that next week Let's talk about the evolution of the golf course. You mentioned the Varsity Clubhouse is now out there, the pavilions there, which is great oh, for all yeah. the events. How has the course itself changed here over the years? What's mm-hmm. the short-term plan for the course? What's the 10- to 15-year vision? And then the long-term vision here for the Penn State Golf Course is the only 36-hole course that is correct available here in center for, area yeah for quite some and, and, and on the from a big 10 standpoint there's only two others that have two golf courses so mm-hmm. we're very fortunate to have 36 holes we have a, like i said we have the our clubhouse that i work out was 1996 and then 2010 was the tom bros clubhouse we mm-hmm. did build uh the hawbaker uh, family pavilion uh in 2015 that's been a wonderful uh, and the teams have been using those mm-hmm. um so that seats up to 350 people so if you're in town don't know where to go and you want something that's going to accommodate you know think about us for the pavilion um moving forward yes of course we want to see the driving range you know become all grass tees that's on our master plan when it comes to it also being able to have indoor activities when it comes to the clubhouse that's part of the master plan is seeing more of a conference room type of setup where you can do weddings you can, who doesn't want to have a wedding on a golf course overlooking the 18th green and, and so adding more food and beverage opportunities that is mm-hmm. something that's on our plate right now of expanding our 19th hole area and the offerings that we who we have so we do just we just recently got a liquor license so we're getting and that helps with the food and beverage when it comes from an alcohol sandstone standpoint but it be, it creates a one-stop club atmosphere where you can go have a nice bite to eat have a drink after you're done sit out in the veranda sit out in the pavilion talk to your friends make a, a nice little day of it so we have those opportunities there now so adding a new clubhouse and expansion would be wonderful uh, we are doing in the near process new uh, cart pass mm-hmm. cart pass not wall-to-wall yet but enough that they're going to enhance the experience that you have and from get you around from tea to green so we do get that feedback it's tough to find where the next tea is well now we have some cart pass to help with that so overall when it comes now to the golf courses yeah, we've had some different architects come in, lay out some groundwork. We have a local one, Dave Heatwall, who does a lot with us. He's got 15-plus years with Jack Nicholas and his team, went on his own, and so we consult with him on a regular basis, going back to when the teams have suggestions. We'll get their feedback as well as our local architect to help with some of those things. Say you were to make a change to a hole or to some sort of tee box or a green location, what goes into that type of process? 
<laughs> the, well, of course, the architect has to be involved with that. Mm -hmm. There's also then the the shaper you know, when it comes to the greens and moving it. I was I've been around for a while, so we're happy if if you remember about twenty not twenty about fifteen years ago, where hole number four of our blue course was just always a mess, and we redid it three different times. But the last time is the is the best on four hole number four. We got it all the way out put all new subsurface in there and then the final sod was in like late october and it started snowing we had the golf team out there coach nye and his team and Denise out there laying the sod to help us it was a one team effort and i think because we did that you know create that one team effort everyone's involved with the decision making process that green is healthier than it's ever been mm -hmm. so i felt the love of the penn state family building that green and so now since then it's been doing well and knock on wood we haven't had any issues uh with it but we also then, you know, back to the 2005-06 renovations, we mm -hmm. took number seven and eight. For those of you who haven't played the blue course in a while, eight was an extreme 90-degree dog leg up the hill that you laid up. Hopefully there wasn't a jogger in your backswing because the jogging trail came right up to number eight T. You would lay up on some hard pan, it seemed like, and all the balls kicked into the woods that we couldn't host a championship that way. So mm -hmm. we turned seven, which was a par three, into a beautiful par four, and now eight is an uphill par three to make that championship atmosphere. So these decisions came as a team, working with the golf teams, working with our local architects, and, and not afraid to bring in some nationally recognized ones as well. Snow in October and Happy Valley? Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> it, does seem, it does seem like that happens quite often. We just had that last, uh, last winter uh, come a little bit earlier than expected with the last two home football games parking in our parking lot. So we're part of the team, too. They're not afraid to tailgate in our, uh, in our parking lots when our golf courses are closed in November, October. We'll have more with Joe Hughes here in just a moment. You're listening to Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. You're listening to Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics fans. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and make sure that you are up to date with all of the latest episodes on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Brian Tripp, continuing with Joe Hughes, the general manager at the Penn State Golf Courses. And Joe, the great thing about golf is it's a sport you can play, and we've talked about it, male, female, from almost the time you're out of the womb until mm -hmm. your very last days on this planet, and you never can perfect it or master never. it. And that's why that's why I think this is such a, a relevant topic to have on one of these podcasts, because there are a lot of people out there listening that maybe didn't go through the PGM program, and we're going to get into that, but golf is something that's a universal sport that anyone can play at any time. Yeah, you could play it for the rest of your life. I mean, I don't take anything away from continuing to develop your junior golf or your junior and doing as many different sports as humanly possible. I mean, you asked if my my daughters play. No, they do not, but they are playing stick and ball games and softball. Mm -hmm. So it's an easy relation to take a stick and ball game like softball and turn into golf. And, you know, if you have injuries, I, I we used to wrestle a, a little bit in high school and I kept busting up my thumb. And my dad said, OK, you can't be doing that. What's the one game you could play for the rest of your life? And of course, you, golf was it. And I had that decision to make either be playing football or to play golf. And I took the golf route and I wouldn't look back any other way. And so I will never forget that in my junior year in high school, when you're thinking about where to go to school, mm -hmm. there was a, pro, a little brochure sitting in the van, the golf van. 
And I'm like, what's this? Oh, that's Penn State's new professional golf management program endorsed by the PGA of America. I'm like, wow, that is cool. And it was one of four at that time. It was, mm-hmm. it was one of four in the nation. So you couldn't go. I think the most and closest one was in Chicago, Illinois. So for, for Frank Guadagnolo, who was the founder of the program, fantastic individual and him and his family, they decided to take a leap and say, hey, let's bring golf to central Pennsylvania. And since then, there's now 18 schools that you can go. But for Penn State to be number four, in my opinion, when it comes to the professional golf management, when we go to our trade shows down in uh, Orlando, Florida, mm-hmm. speaking of Penn State, they have the biggest line of people wanting them as employees, uh, not only from an internship, but from a full-time standpoint. And the alumni who come back to visit the Penn State booth, all the PGM schools are all in one area at this trade show, and the Penn State's the busiest one by far. And the quality of the student that is coming through this program, the internships that are available, I mean, I can go through the list of golf courses that are in the area, but of course, who doesn't know Augusta National? Mm-hmm. Augusta National Golf Club has J.J. Weaver as their head golf professional who's a Penn Stater. Their turf grass program they have at least four or five full-time Penn Staters on their staff so golf not only from a PGM standpoint from a turf grass standpoint I'm very fortunate to work with the two-year program with Dr. Kaminsky and the turf grass side of things the game of golf you know from a turf and from a you know management standpoint is very strong at Penn State and it's a highly competitive program I mean it's one of the very few you said 18 accredited programs from the Mm -hmm. PGA so it's a competitive program and it's an honor really to get the opportunity yeah. to go through that process. And they'll get 25 freshmen every year so they have about 100 students so it's it's a selection that they don't take lightly and one of the biggest thing is that playing ability test. You mm-hmm. have to prove that you can not only talk the game but you can walk the game and play it. And you get to you have to do that one time. So you just have to shoot that target score of 154 so 77 77 some combination mm-hmm. but that's just part of their curriculum. Then they have to do three years' worth of experience while they're here on campus on top of their schoolwork. And then while they're doing that, they're doing a summer internship. But I, I think what the golf management program is doing is fantastic. And we talked a little bit on the break, just what the Golf Teaching Research Center, mm-hmm. Eric Hanley and Brian Soule, that is, and Matt Bakovich, those folks are putting together an instructional because they heard from the pros what can our program do to get a little bit better? Well, their instruction's a little bit weaker. If you could do some things, now it's state of the art. We got V1 software. They've got the floorboards. Like, what are your feet doing in the swing? And not only for golf, they're now inviting golf team from mm-hmm. Penn State. They've invited Sam Ficken when he was kicking here. They put <laughs> Ficken on the foot machine to see where his foot was from a placement standpoint mm-hmm. and how he got the most out of a, a, a football when he was kicking it field goal. So, and soccer players, I know uh, your coach John Bach will be on your show. That is another one too, watching what their feet are doing and the motion of golf is similar to other sports. And if you can relate that and use that same software, the golf teaching research is doing that, not just for golfers, but for other sports here at Penn State Athletics. How has technology impacted the game of golf? Huge. I mean, it's, 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 especially when you're doing club fitting. I Mm -hmm. mean, if you haven't been fit before, is, is it, is it me or is it the clubs that I have? Well, someone says, oh, you need a stiff shaft. Oh, you need a regular flex. What does that mean? If you can put the numbers on technology and say, here's your current equipment, it's coming out low, you're not getting any spin, you're you're only hitting 150 yards, well, here's a new club, same club, seven iron, let's say, well, now you're getting 10 more yards, you're getting more trajectory with it, your launch angle is better, and you're seeing that as part of your fitting process as well as the instruction that goes with it. When an instructor makes a little adjustment, you can now see the numbers. It's not just, oh, it's saying, oh, yeah, it looks, it went 10 yards farther, trust me, wink, wink. Now you're seeing the numbers themselves on on the technology. And for anyone listening, alumni, fans, they can come out to the Penn State golf courses. You can help with fittings, demos, everything that they want that's available. 
all year long. We have two indoor swing simulators. Don't forget about that. That's mm-hmm. fun. We you could play Pebble Beach if you want. Just hosted the Open. We have you know twenty seven different golf courses to choose from. We have two of them in our nineteenth hole. We clear things out, and we have leagues that run. We have instruction that goes on. If you want to get fit, you know during that holiday season, you know come on out, get get fit on the the, the lie boards, and and we have two. We have TrackMan and FlightScope, so some of the best technology to help you with those numbers. In all seriousness, what can someone do for their game when you get through the fall here? And you go into winter, it's yes. probably not a 12-month hobby up here in this area. Yes. So what can someone do from central PA, from Pennsylvania, in the Northeast, to keep their game over those winter months? There's two things. One, you could do the swing simulators. That has helped our league members who just like, wow, I feel so great coming out of the season that I'm loose. I've been mm-hmm. swinging all year. If you can't go to an indoor swing simulator, no matter where you are, and they seem to be growing nationwide, then, of course, stretching, just normal stretching, just anything you could do with a medicine ball, anything you could do with a pillow, anything you could do with a chair, just constantly be stretching, even just taking your clubs as I'm doing here, turning your shoulders and just rotating, working your lower back so you don't come out of, of spring or, or winter and, and right into spring saying, all right, I can do this. And, of course, now you're tight. But if you can mm-hmm. keep swinging, stay loose throughout. I even have some of our members that put indoor in their garages and have a net that they hit into. And, hey, Joe, can we buy one of your 4 by 4 mats from you so I can hit golf balls in my garage? Whatever it takes, you can keep swinging if you really want to. And does it help you coming out? Yes, it does, out of the winter for sure. I'm glad you brought up charity golf tournaments before yes. we let you go because over 20 20- charity events at the yes. Penn State Golf Course is over $1 million raised this Every past year. year. It's fun. The community involvement, Steve Esky, our events coordinator, and myself, will meet with these groups on a monthly basis. And just to see you know, the hard work and the efforts from these 15 to 25 people who meet from the community on a regular basis, raising funds for the hospital coming up, helping up with their neurovascular pavilion that they're building, mm-hmm. to you know, buying an ambulance, to um, you know, Habitat for Humanity just had a golf tournament, building homes for people. There's so much opportunity for the game of golf to help your local nonprofit, so consider that. Even if it's not you know, playing 18 holes, you could do stuff on the driving range, the closest to the pin competition, long drive, have a miniature golf course tournament. You can do things at a golf course that don't cost a lot of money that can raise your nonprofit, you know, $5,000 plus at any given time. So meet with your local PGA professional, especially at a public course, and see how they can help you grow your game and grow your profit. And that's the Penn State way. Always finding a way to give back. Well, Joe, I don't know if this lowered my handicap at all, but this was a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun, Brian. No, I appreciate the opportunity. And, and if you come to Happy Valley, don't forget, number one, bring your sticks with you. If you can sneak out before mm-hmm. a football game, Fridays and Sundays, we're wide open or catch one of those late kickoffs. Come on out and vid- visit us. We do TT times uh, eight days in advance. Uh, but reach out to me anytime, joepro at psu.edu, and we'll gladly help you with anything we've discussed today. Joe, appreciate the time. Thanks, Brian. Fans, before you go, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you have any comments, questions, or you want to tell us what you'd like to hear on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics, tweet us at GoPSUSports or at BTripTweets. We'll talk to you next time here on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics.